Hello, welcome back to the Not So Grateful Dead podcast. It is your host, Grayson Decker, back at it again with another episode. This is episode number 25, and it is honestly a very odd case. I am super excited to cover it for you guys. I hope that everybody is staying warm and doing okay with daily savings. I know that I personally always struggle. <laughs> so badly when it starts getting dark at like 5 30 it just throws my whole body into i don't even know i fall asleep on the couch more often than i'd like to admit and i don't know it's like my body assumes it's bedtime at five o'clock so it's really hard for me but we're, we're powering through i hope you're also doing well creighton and i started this new show on peacock and it's called the calling and it is so so good i highly recommend and i definitely think you should go listen to it. I think that's about it. Yeah, let's get into this episode. One last little message before we actually get started. I do apologize if you can hear my little space heater in the background of this episode. It is freezing outside and I'm a chilly gal, so I'm using my little space heater, so don't judge me, okay? I'm sorry. I hope I can try and make it sound better, but that's what it is. Okay, enjoy the episode. Marjorie Nugent was born on February 6, 1915 in Panola County, Texas to Felix and Ella Midiette. Marjorie then attended Louisiana Tech for her college education, and this is where she would meet her soon-to-be husband, R.L. or Rod Nugent. Rod had just graduated from Louisiana Tech with an electrical engineering degree, and the two of them got married. Marjorie and Rod lived in multiple different places throughout their marriage, They lived in Louisiana, New Mexico, and Texas, just to name a few states. And they did, however, spend quite a lot of time, over a dozen years actually, living in Midland, Texas. And it was here in Midland that the two of them had actually had their one and only child, Rod Jr. Nugent. In 1989, Rod decided that he would bring his wife back to her hometown because it was towards the end of his career and he really just wanted to kind of settle down with his wife. Rod Nugent bought interest in the First National Bank of Carthage and the two of them began the building process of their home. This home was 6,000 square feet and it was closed off by a large stone wall and it had electronic gates at all of the entrances. So this was a super fancy home, a mansion if you will. The town talk about Marjorie Nugent was really not all that positive. It was known by the townspeople that Marjorie refused to even speak to her her sister, who also lived in the same town, Carthage, and this refusal to talk was supposedly because of an argument that the two of them had had back in the 80s, and this was about their mother who had passed, and it revolved mainly around her estate, so it seemed as though Marjorie could really hold a grudge. The majority of the people when asked about Marjorie all had a common idea about her. She just seemed to think that she was too good for Carthage. One person stating if she had held her nose any higher, she would have drowned in a rainstorm. Not just the townspeople felt this about her, but her son Rod Jr. would really only occasionally speak to his mother, and this was because of the many arguments that the two of them had had over the many years that he had lived with his mother before he moved out. Rod Jr. worked in Amarillo, 
shout out to the birthplace, as a very prominent pathologist. Another family member stated that Marjorie would sometimes get into these very dark depressive depressive phases, sorry. And during this time, she was nowhere near kind. Quote, it was like these blue periods came on. And when they did, she could be very biting in her comments to people. Margie was a very difficult woman to love. In March of 1990, Rod Nugent passed away. And at his funeral, 81-year-old Marjorie would meet her terrible fate. Bernhardt or Bernie Tata was working at the Hawthorne sorry, funeral home in Carthage at the time of Rod Nugent's funeral. Bernie was working as an assistant funeral director And it was actually at the funeral of Rod Nugent where Bernie and Marjorie would meet for the first time. He was 32 and she was 81, as we previously discussed. Bernie had actually embalmed Rod Nugent as well as singing at his memorial service. And Bernie Tata had been a very well-known and liked person in the town of Carthage. He was known to have taught the Sunday school service, he sponsored little league teams, and he was also an active member of the Methodist church. When asked about Bernie, the townspeople had absolutely nothing bad to say about him. It was very soon after this that Marjorie and Bernie became very close friends. Bernie was constantly around. He was Marjorie's companion. I feel that this kind of odd dynamic of a friendship really blossomed due to loneliness because Marjorie's husband, whom she had been married to since college, had just died and really the majority of her family was kind of not really around. I completely understand. I wouldn't want to be alone either. I personally, though, would probably be, I would probably find a gal pal, you know, stick with the girls. (laughs) In 1991, Marjorie and Bernie had gotten so close in their friendship that Marjorie changed the recipient of her $5 to $10 million home on her will from her son Rod Jr. to Bernie Tata. Insane. A few years later, Bernie stopped working at the Hawthorne Funeral Home altogether and started working for Marjorie full-time as a personal assistant along with her business manager, and a travel companion. Marjorie and Bernie went on a ton of trips, traveling the world together. Some of the places the two of them visited together include Russia, Hong Kong, Egypt, and Thailand. They even went on cruises together. So quite the adventure, especially being from the small town of Carthage, Texas. It sounds super fun and exciting. I would love to go on a week-long vacation right now. Honestly, sounds like bliss. (laughs) Sounds really fun. Eventually, Marjorie bought Bernie a whole-ass house and a Rolex watch. Bernie would drive to the home of Marjorie every single morning to make her a morning cup of coffee. He would pick out her clothes for the day, pick her chin hairs and trim her toenails, which is kind of gross, but it was part of his routine apparently. He would run any errands for her and they would always have lunch together every single day at 11.45. On the surface, it really seemed as though Marjorie and Bernie were extremely close friends who genuinely enjoyed one another's company. This, however, seemed to be quite different from the reality that they were actually living in. It was said that Marjorie was actually quite controlling constantly demanding that she get time and attention from Bernie. And when I say controlling, I mean controlling. 
If Bernie was ever late to lunch, Marjorie would page Bernie over and over and over and over and over again until he would respond back to her. Along with this, if Bernie were ever hanging out with any other person that wasn't Marjorie, Bernie would have to continuously call Marjorie and check up on her while he was hanging out with this other person, and if he didn't call, he would face consequences. Bernie even stated, if I don't call her, she will give me living hell. Bernie really did not enjoy this possessive side of Marjorie, but nonetheless, he stood by her and continued the friendship, companionship situation. Bernie did admit to the fact that the money and luxury Marjorie could provide was quite enticing to him, but overall, he just really didn't want Marjorie to feel abandoned. She wasn't really close with much of her family, and her husband was gone, like we talked about earlier. So, Bernie really was just the only person that she had in her life when it came to any sort of companion. Not only did he not want Marjorie to feel abandoned, Bernie was also just afraid to leave Marjorie because of the implications that could arise. As we talked about earlier, Marjorie did not have the best of reputation when it came to the town of Carthage. So honestly, he didn't know what could happen to him if he were to kind of retaliate and back out of this companionship that she was so, I don't know, possessive about. Like she was very possessive about him. Bernie states that over time, Marjorie became increasingly more controlling and aggressive, Bernie describing her as hateful during this time. Later, Bernie admits that during this time, months before Marjorie's death, Bernie had thought about hitting Marjorie over the head with a baseball bat. Oh my god, sorry, Justin is snoring up a storm. I'm so sorry. (laughs) He never acted on these heinous thoughts because he really didn't want Marjorie to suffer because she meant so much to him. On November 19, 1996, around 7 a.m., Bernie heads to the home of Marjorie just like any other day. He brewed her some coffee, and then he left her house and went back to his to take a shower. Bernie returned to Marjorie's home around 10 a.m. At some point, Bernie had moved a 22 caliber rifle to the bathroom that was right near the garage entrance. And when Marjorie began walking out of the home at some point after 10, down the hallway into the garage, Bernie aimed the rifle at Marjorie's back and fired. After the first shot to Marjorie, she was still breathing, so Bernie continued to shoot her two more times. Bernie then took the deceased body of Marjorie Nugent and put it inside of her freezer, covering her body with a Land's End sheet. And this is the brand of the sheet, and he specifically points this out in his confession later, so I thought that it was worth mentioning the actual brand of the sheet. Before he put Marjorie in the freezer, he removed all of the frozen food, put her inside, put the sheet over her, and then proceeded to put all of the frozen food back on top of her body to conceal her. Bernie then cleaned up the scene of the crime and went to the production rehearsal of Guys and Dolls. This was a college production, and Bernie also bought pizza for the entire cast. This is just so crazy to me, so mind-boggling. He straight up just killed this woman, and now he is buying pizza for college theater kids? just fucking wild, just crazy. If you recall back to the beginning of Bernie and Marjorie's relationship, you could remember that she put Bernie in her will as a recipient of her five to ten million dollar home. Well, along with this, Bernie also gained power of attorney over all of Marjorie's finances. So, after her death, 
Bernie was really free to do whatever he wanted with her money. And he fucking did. Let me tell you what. Bernie bought cars and airplanes. He pledged that he would build his church a brand new wing. He invested in boot scootin' western wear store and apparently financed some German gay porn. Throughout the next few months, while Marjorie was in the freezer, Bernie would tell people that she was out visiting family, napping, under the weather, or they had just missed her. Bernie was able to keep this act up for nine whole months after he brutally killed Marjorie. And in these nine months, you want to know how much money he blew? Two million dollars. Two million dollars in nine months. That is just absolutely insane to me. That's, that's just so much money, especially for being like back then. Like, that's just crazy. It's crazy. During this time as well, Marjorie's family had actually reported her missing. Eventually, Rod Jr., Marjorie's son, decided to take a look in the home of Marjorie for himself. And this is when he makes the gruesome discovery of his mother's deceased body hidden away in her freezer. After authorities were informed of this terrible discovery, Bernie was immediately looked into and he confessed. I'm going to read you that confession right now. I have requested a lawyer before but have waived my right to an attorney and have asked to give this statement to Captain Jetter of my own free will. I have known Marjorie Nugent for approximately 12 years. She was a friend of mine and a traveling companion. I've taken care of her since her husband died in 1990. I had thoughts of hitting Marjorie in the head with a bat or anything for a couple of months prior to November the 19th, 1996 but I did not want her to suffer. She had become very hateful. She had become very possessive over my life. She was now evil and wicked, but I still cared for her. I went to her house on November the 19th, 1996 and made coffee at approximately 7 a.m. I then went home to take a shower. I returned at approximately 10 o'clock a.m. and I was there alone with her. Marjorie had a rifle in the freezer closet and she kept it there to shoot shoot crows and blackbirds in the yard. She was leading out of the house from the hallway to the garage and I had moved the rifle into the bathroom near the garage. She had walked out into the garage towards my car. I took the rifle and I shot Marjorie in the back. She fell face first. Marjorie was still breathing heavily so I shot her again. I may have shot her one more time. I didn't want her to suffer then dragged Marjorie by the feet from the garage to the freezer. I had taken the food from the freezer and I placed her into the freezer and covered her with a Lands and Brand white sheet. I then covered her with the food. I took a water hose and washed the blood from the garage. I swept up the bullets along with some leaves and threw them away. I put two pieces of masking tape on the freezer door and I waive my right to an attorney and give this statement of my own free will. This statement is true and correct to the best of my knowledge. Signed, Bernie Tata. After the trial for Bernie Tata came to a close, he was sentenced to 50 years in prison for the murder of Marjorie Nugent. While Bernie spent time in prison, he was known as a model prisoner. He cross-stitched memorials for families who had lost a relative, and he also partook in the prison choir singing regularly. What's crazy is a lot of townspeople during this time really did not see what Bernie did as wrong. 
Everyone in town disliked Marjorie Nugent, so it was actually hard to even convince the people during the trial that this murder was, in fact, a terrible thing to do. In May of 2014, Bernie filed a writ of habeas corpus, which is essentially when the incarcerated individual requests to appear in front of the court to speak about their detention and any issues that they would like to present. Bernie was claiming that his constitutional rights had been violated, claiming that deputies shamed and threatened him with exposing homemade sex tapes of Bernie that investigators had recovered during the search of the home. This film was apparently Bernie with two other men who were both married, so this insinuated that these men were having affairs in secret, so this would be kind of a huge thing to expose. He also states that Marjorie's abuse and hatred resurfaced the childhood trauma of being trigger warning, sexually abused by his uncle. This abuse was said to have put Bernie into a dissociative state, which is when he committed the murder. This does make sense to me, but also at the same time, it really doesn't, but also it does. I don't know, mental health is, it's very different for every single person, but it, to me, did not really seem like he was riddled with guilt in the nine months following Marjorie's murder because he happily blew a shit ton of her money with no remorse, but also that could have been kind of a way to cope with what he did because, I don't know, there's people that spend money when they're upset or stressed. I feel like I sometimes can do that too, so I really don't know. This theory, though, was supported by a forensic psychiatrist by the name of Dr. Richard Pesikoff, and after this, Bernie was shockingly released, and he actually walked free in society for two whole years. On April 22nd, 2016, Bernie Tata was found guilty of Marjorie Nugent's murder for a second time, and he was sentenced to 99 years in prison. He will be eligible for parole in 2029. This is the case of Marjorie Nugent and her companion, Bernie Tata. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to give you my socials, and then I'm going to let you go. I hope you enjoyed. All right, so as always, my email is thenotsogratefuldeadpod at gmail.com, website thenotsogratefuldead.podbean.com, Instagram thenotsogratefuldead underscore podcast, TikTok thenotsogratefuldeadpod, and Facebook thenotsogratefuldeadpodcast with Grayson Decker. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week, and I cannot wait to see you on Sunday. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.